0: some super uptight thing that you have to, like, strain to fit into, church should be a girdle. (laughs) That should be a sermon. Now, I'm not saying I don't need to wear a girdle, because I probably do, you know what I mean? Y'all love you. glad to be here. I need to apologize in the outset. I have had something on, on my voice and at doing the the third service in Concord, which is amazing, and all of the saints in Concord send their love to all of you. And when I'm over there this afternoon, I'll send all your love to them. And um, But that third service has played havoc on my voice. And I have, uh, anyway, long story short, I'm probably going to cough a lot. Um, but I am not contagious, or my contagious, or my family would be sick. <laughs> There's something going on in my voice, in the proper uh, care and feeding of my vocal cords. So um, it may affect the style of my preaching today. But I want you to know I love you, and um, I want God to, I want your best life in God to be, in some way, available to you today. Uh, the stuff that's holding you down. I'd like to see you break free from from some of the things that have been holding you in uh, spiritual limits, heaviness. Let me pray that prayer. Lord, you know what's going on in all the hearts here today. Lord, I, I've been preaching 30 years. I, I can preach a sermon, but uh, if, if sermon was enough, then the world would already be fixed. Uh, what we need is a visitation of your spirit in our heart. And in our life, oh God, and I'm praying today that, yes, I will, I will, as a gospel preacher, preacher should, I will try to convey the, 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 the moral truths and the spiritual insight from the scripture, I will. But while that's happening, Lord, I pray you would walk among these aisles and seats. And I pray the person that has been with their spiritual shields up, so to speak, kind of hiding behind their shields, I pray they'd lay them down and lift their hands and open their heart to you, O God, and say, not my will, but thy will be done. Let people who need to repent of their sins, let them see today is the time, this is the hour, this is, everything can happen right here today. People who need to be baptized, let them see now is the time, this is the hour, this is no sense uh, making it some formal thing that someday I'll get to. Today's the day. There's someone here who has not experienced the gift of the Holy Spirit in their life as a personal sign. They felt you draw them. They've known you have whispered into their heart, um, but they, they haven't had a personal sign of testimony, Lord. I, I'd like this to be the day, this to be the weeks where they received the understanding that you are near to them. In Jesus' name. Help me to do a good job today. Help me not to preach too long and make these people grumpy in their spirit. Help me to do a good job. Help my wife to compliment me on the way home, Lord. Help her to say, oh, my word, just you look like you were 21 again up there, Lord. Uh, Amen. Alright, right. We're reading from Job 19. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read in the TEV version. I'm going to use a lot of different versions today for various reasons. Uh, You guys know how I do that. So my title, my title today is um, going to be uh, Recovering Your Value, Reclaiming, Reclaiming Your Value. And I want to talk about spiritual freedom in our lives. I want to talk about hope and the renewal of our confidence in God, reclaiming your value. Let's read at uh, Job 19, verse number one. And again, I'm reading in the TEV. I don't know exactly what they will have on the screen, but you'll see how translations fit together uh, like fingers in a glove. So uh, this is uh, Job speaking to his friends. Why do you keep tormenting me with words? Why do you keep tormenting me with words? Time after time, you insult me and show no shame for the way you abuse me. Time after time, you insult me and you show no shame for the way you abuse me. Now, this would be a great text if I was feeling sorry for myself and I was wanting to get on to you for saying ugly things about me. I could preach that time after time, my God. My God. You insult me and show. See how that works for the preacher? If you ever need to preach a sermon to someone in your life, uh, this is a great text right here, Job 19, verses 1 through 3. It works well to your spouse. I know I've used it many, many times, and um, in fact, I've, I have a sermon scheduled this week from Job 19. I'm on a roll today. I just, I'm, my wife, for I was coughing in the first service, so my wife left, uh, and she went up to the store and bought me some drugs, because two, if what you have is a hammer, then everything's a nail. And if you or a pharmacist than everything is a drug taken in Jesus' name. That's what I'm talking about. So she ran up to the store and took me this drug and, and I brought it back to me and as soon as I got over there, I took it and I sat there and I was thinking to myself, this is going to be interesting. I don't normally preach drugged up. Um, but then as I sat there longer drinking my coffee my between service coffee of anointing um, I was sitting there and, and the world began to swirl a little bit and um, I just want you to know this could be a bad idea. So anything I say is not me. It's 100% my wife. <laughs> we celebrate uh, the Declaration of Independence this weekend. We celebrate as a nation, and we are, we are very, very blessed in our country. There's no other nation in the world I would rather be a part of than the United States of America. I mean that sincerely. In some ways, we have been a sort of uh, city on a hill, a sort of missionary uh, sourcing ground. That is not to say we are perfect. We are far from perfect. And that is not to say that we do not have to continue along the arc of justice to become more and more um, Christ-like. And that is not to say that we're doing particularly good right now, because in truth, as a nation, we're not doing particularly good right now. Um, But my trust is not in the nation. My trust is in. uh, My trust is in the uh, work, the ministry, the generosity of the Lord God. Um, Let me just say that I think my mom and dad are here somewhere. Where Where are they sitting at? Those are First Church heroes right there. And we we can't ever forget it. That's right. First Church heroes. And uh, Oh, come on. It's in your heart. Go ahead and stand up and give them a Amen. Glad to have them as a family. We covet your continued prayers, uh, giving uh, spiritual support to them. And so, all right, back on track here today. Um, We celebrate independence, and because of our national inheritance, because of the price that men and, yes, women have paid to give us freedom um, or uh, to ensure our freedom, um, and because of the political... Uh, astuteness of our forefathers who arranged a political system that did not expect there to be good people and bad people. And all of you need to understand this um, about the American system and why it has seemingly worked. Um, Our forefathers did not say, hey, we're the good guys. Everyone else is the bad guys. And so we're going to put the good guys in charge. We're going to keep the bad guys in prison, and everything's going to be fine. That is not how the American system works. The American system works like this. Everybody's bad. (laughs) And so you got to have one group watch another group. That's how American forefathers established our country. So you have three different divisions of government that all... watches and um, ensures that don't, don't, don't try to find, don't, don't try to find perfect people and put them in charge. That's a, that, there's a word for that. Uh, it starts as fame and ends as tyranny um, because oh, anyway, you get the idea. We, we, ha- as a country, we have not known uh, a political oppression Uh, With the exception of you spending too much time on social media. That's a different kind of political oppression. And you have the opportunity to turn that off. And um, may you uh, do that more than not. But we, we don't know. We don't... Our forefathers knew what oppression was, and they knew what fighting for that independence was. We are the inheritors. We, we have received a gift from them. And so we don't think in terms of oppression, and uh, we don't think in terms of... Uh, having a, another political entity force itself upon us. And so for us, uh, freedom is celebrated in, in a different way. We, we celebrate the sacrifices of those who paid, and we celebrate and indulge ourselves in the freedom that is the result of that. The exception to that is the circumstances in our life that we cannot fix, and we struggle to know how we could change, or if we could change them. And if you change from a political review of this idea, this concept of freedom, to the reality of all of our lives have difficulty in them, and you broaden the scope of understanding the complexity that is in the idea of freedom, we all begin to think of things in which we, we find ourselves, circumstances we find ourselves, realities we find ourselves in, that we cannot, um, we cannot seem to fix, at least not easily, at least not without great pain and suffering. And, and uh, so many of us... Uh, live with this in some way, a circumstance, a relationship in your life that because of a family obligation, because of a work obligation, because of a circumstance obligation, you struggle with an oppression that is on your spirit, a heaviness that you carry that in many ways destroys your confidence. It worse, destroys your sense of possibility. In other words, it's it's more than just a lack of confidence. It's like the death of faith, like uh, you could not make a difference even if you tried. It's like your hope is cast away. Does that make sense? Spiritually, this is very true. Excuse me. (coughs) Um, This is very true because the Lord's hand is upon you as a believer to do a work for him. God's hand upon you is not primarily about your salvation. Salvation was purchased at Calvary. Does that make sense? You don't need to be anointed to be saved. (laughs) I don't mind if you look at me. I can't yell today anyway, so it's fine to look at me today. Um, You're not anointed to be saved. Salvation is not your accomplishment. Don't be a Pharisee. Salvation is the cross. He paid your debt. It's not your accomplishment. So what then are you anointed to do? You are anointed for spiritual purpose. Somebody say, anoint me, O Lord. You are anointed to make a difference. You are not God's purpose. You are a part of God's purpose. God's purpose is as many as will, whosoever will, not appointed to judgment, but to grace, not cast into hell, but exalted and caught away into glory, to be a part of the body of Christ, to have a broken world steeped and destroyed by sin, to be set free by love divine and ushered into the presence eternally of God, that we might live face to face. (laughs) Creator, creation. Let it happen in our lives, oh God. We want to be a part of your work. We want to see the fields of the Lord and we want to work diligently in the fields of the Lord. You are not anointed to sit around the table. You're anointed to work in the field. You have to believe you can make a difference in the field in which you have been planted intentionally by God. (laughs) To do that, you need confidence. You need to hear me reclaim your spiritual value. I'll say it to this side. I think they're a little bit more backslide than you. Um, um, you need to reclaim your spiritual value, and you need to say, "I can make a difference. I'm anointed for a purpose. Salvation's God's gift. It's not my work." This is one of the limitations of a of a earning your salvation uh, uh, mentality or trying to be good enough. That God will accept you. This is this is a traditional human religion. You get good enough, and eventually you please God, and He saves you. That's not the gospel. That's not how that you don't get good enough for God. What you do is, having received His grace, you are able to change your motivations. Hallelujah. This is why we have a love based gospel. It's the motivation that's changed. And so uh, what what, what I'm trying to get to here is you have to reclaim your sense of spiritual value or you will not have an impact on the world in which you are placed. Now, the solution, or the, the not the solution, but the, the common thing to people to do is because they live in fear and they are born in a culture of fear, they spend their Christian life worrying about whether or not they are saved. And so all the energy, all of the passion that would go into the mission field in which God has placed them is now obsessively focused on, am I good enough that God's going to save me? Yes, And no one can answer that question because judgment hasn't been given yet. So the energy, the fear, gets turned into uh, uh, regulating other people. This is not the gospel. The gospel is, for God so loved the world. Man, if I had some more preaching people here today. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe on him. I wish someone would quote back at me. Whosoever would believe at him, on him, would not. This is a quiet section right here. I'm gonna need y'all to speak out here. Would not. I don't know why you're quiet. This is Sister Lisa's. She talks more than the rest of the pastoral staff combined. How's this gonna be the quiet section? Come on, y'all. Jesus take the wheel in this section right here. Um, uh, would not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. How did that would not perish get there? God gave. That's how we got to would not perish. God gave. That's how we got to would not perish. Oh, come on, somebody. God gave. That's how we got to would not perish. Your work is not your salvation. Um, your salvation is God's work. Your work is having your heart changed by God. Your motivations change. It's as though God changes your inputs and your outputs become a life of worship, a life of purpose. You see what I'm saying? And so uh, here you have this reality that if you live in spiritual oppression, now today I'm going to use the example of abuse. Um, because abuse is something we all can uh, relate on and uh, we can relate to we all if not immediately in our life we probably around the fringes of our life know people who are living with this Um, And also, I'm going to use abuse today because there's a direct spiritual correlation uh, we'll perhaps talk about if we have time. Uh, And the third reason is I had to pick something that would be an example to us. But the truth is, we could talk about almost any human difficulty, and I could show you by using scriptures and by your own lived experience uh, what your life has felt like, your own sense of humanity, um, you would see how... That transgression in that area would destroy your potential in God, and it would beat you down. Now, we're going to use this example of abuse because uh, it is under, uh, as uh, ministers and preachers of the Gospels, we don't preach about it enough. Um, It is the silent pandemic uh, among us. Uh, There was a 10-nation study done. And of the 10 nations, and uh, you'd be surprised that some of them were of... Uh, very, very modern, seemingly successful nations, Um, uh, 55 to 95% of um, women had been uh, abused, physically abused, and had told no one about it. Now, that's a stunning statistic because that means the lowest nation in the broad-based national studies, the lowest nation, 55% of women in the the lowest nation uh, as far as this occurrence was still a majority of women who had been abused and had chosen to tell no one about it. Now, I could give you study after study, um, example after example. I have a ton in my notes, but I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to simply use this as an example of... What happens in a person where they go through an experience like this, they go through a, a, an abusive circumstance, and how it doesn't, it's not just something for them to endure. It fundamentally changes who they can be tomorrow. So let me say it this way. What you accept today yes. will fundamentally accept who you become tomorrow. And the first step of changing tomorrow is changing what you'll accept today. We... Talked about this scripture where Job says, "You're tormenting me with your words. Time after time, you insult me. You show no shame for the way you abuse me." Um, I want to talk about breaking uh, the chains of abuse because I think in an abusive relationship, I'm not primarily talking about um, a love relationship uh, between uh, spouses or uh, partners in a romantic way. Uh, I, as a pastor, would have to say, and I try to, I'm going to try to say this carefully. Um, I am aware of more circumstances where people are abused by toxic family members, uh, whether it's financial, whether it is psychological. They are abused by toxic relationships. Uh, that, that, in my experience, is quite a bit more common than a domestic situation where uh, they, uh, there is the same kind of abuse going on in a domestic situation. Um, why do I say that? Well, the, first of all, is we have done a better job in creating um, the protections for uh, for uh, spousal-type relationships than we have um, for parent-child relationships. And I want to just speak to our elders here, and you guys know I don't preach like this a lot, and I can't really raise my voice today anyway, so you're just going to have to be patient with me and, and, and give me a get-out-of-jail-free card here today. Um, I want to say to all of our elders, I know you love your child more than anything. Thing um, else in your, in in your life, but um, there is a toxicity that can develop where your life is essentially destroyed by the bad decisions that your child is making and asking you to deal with. And I want you to know that in the same manner that we would need to perhaps encourage and strengthen and help a person in an abusive relationship make a change, it might be that uh, there's someone hearing me today, someone watching online, uh, or someone you know that is in a relationship where a child in the grips of addictions and drugs and the like is making your life a living hell. But it feels like prison to you. You're trapped because you can't unchild yourself. You can't cut them off. Because there's something in you that would not like yourself if you did that. You have to pray that God would give you wisdom in a circumstance like this, where that which was meant to be a gift to you has not been turned into a prison, an oppression upon you. Children were meant to be a gift from the Lord. Do not let them become a curse from hell. Um. The first thing I want to say to you, there's seven things biblical. Now I know that you've heard of twelve steps. Well, let me give you seven steps, and these are purely derived from scripture. And I want to, in some way, try to help somebody um, hearing this today. Uh, the first thing that I, I want you to accept, and the first thing I want you to embrace, um, if you are in a situation where a relationship has begun to feel like a prison that you're never going to get out of, um, is I want you to stop keeping it a secret. I want you to stop keeping it a secret. Um, if you feel so, if you feel soul sick, if you feel as though there is a, a sickness in your soul uh, because of what you're enduring, what you're going through, uh, I want to give you a barometer for how sick your soul is. It goes like this. Your soul is exactly as sick as the secrets you keep. Uh, and if you're willing to keep sick secrets it's your soul that suffers because your secrets is exactly how sick you really are. Jesus said it like this. The truth will set you free. He did not say the truth would be easy. (laughs) He said it's the way to a new you. He did not say it would feel good. He said it's the way to freedom it's the freedom it's the weekend we celebrate the Declaration of Independence we celebrate it as as a nation and so I I, I want to Spiritualize the context, and I, I want to speak to anyone who is living with uh, secrets in your life. Uh, if you wonder you're okay, uh, just sample the secrets you keep, and that'll tell you how your soul is doing. You can't judge your soul's health on a feeling. Uh, I, I, I have seen lots of people feel but be far from where they need to be. Uh, a safer way to judge the health of your moral soul in uh, your eternal, your eternal. Uh, nature is uh, to re- uh, review your secrets and accept the fact that secrets are where we hide uh, the toxicity of our life. And so uh, King David says, Psalms 39, verses 1 through 4, this is TEV version. David said, I. I said, I will not say anything while evil people are near. Watch this. So I kept quiet, not saying a word. But what happens when he keeps quiet, not saying a word? My suffering only grew worse. And then he adds, I was overcome with anxiety. The more I thought, the more troubled I became. I could not keep from asking, Lord, how long will I live? When will I die? Tell me how soon my life will end. If you live with the oppression of trying to, in some way, uh, as it were, be a keeper of these secrets, you're going through difficulty, you're going through even a type of oppression or abuse, and you're trying to keep it a secret, I want to tell you, there is uh, a natural outcome to this. You're going to soon feel like David, and the weight's going to get heavier and heavier. The burden get more and more painful until you don't even see there's any purpose for you to live, and you just want to know when the end is going to come. Stop keeping it a secret. I'm not saying tell everybody, but you need to find somebody you can tell. I'm not saying you need to announce it on Sunday morning when it gets quiet and the preacher's teaching. Uh, I'm not saying that's necessarily the best time to shout out, my wife's been me, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the time. But you are not helping anybody by trying to keep secret this truth that there's some part of your soul that is living in oppression and living in fear. You need some brothers and sisters in faith who will join with you and speak life over you and call on the name of Jesus. And I want you to know, First Church can be a healthy place where you join with someone else and you say, "Pray with me." I don't have all the answers, but we. Will you pray with me? (coughs) The second step in the scripture is I want you to, I want you to uh, name the abuse. Why do I want you to name the abuse? Because if you don't name it, you're probably going to find a way to blame yourself for it. As long as you don't name it, you'll find a way emotionally or psychologically to blame yourself for it. And uh, I, I want you to know there's no healing. As long as you will not name that which oppresses you, uh, I'm going to come back to this, and I'm going to I'm going to name these. Well, actually, uh, there's no reason to do that. Let me go ahead and do it right now. All of these emotional experiences uh, are found and written about by David, uh, the, the the great king and praise and worship leader. Uh, Psalms 102 and 8. My enemies taunt me day after day. They mock and curse me. Who would have thought that? this emotion of aggravation would be in the scripture shown to us by the great worship leader of King David. Uh, Psalms 109 and 20, they tell lies about me and threaten me. Who would have thought that intimidation as an emotional experience would be placed in the scripture by uh, King David? Uh, they make This is Psalms 22 and 7. They make fun of me and ridicule me. This is denigration, the emotional experience of denigration. Uh, Psalms 69, Nineteen. I have been insulted, put to shame, and humiliated. This is obviously the emotional experience of having someone humiliate you. Uh, Psalm 73 and 8, this is the message translation. Using words to kill, they bully their way with words. Some people just have a way about them, and they, they use words as weapons, and they manipulate. Who would have thought David, a king, a songwriter, a leader, he would have experienced them him, this himself. Psalms 118, 13, the uh, good word translation, they push hard to make me fall. They push hard to make me fall. This is someone dominating you. This is someone intentionally dominating you. Uh, as long as you don't name it, you'll struggle with whether or not it's not all your fault. And the problem with blaming yourself is it deludes you as to how you can get better. Uh, If all you do is blame yourself, you're not being honest about the cause and effect, and you're not being honest about what your next step is to make a change in this circumstance. Psalms 31, verse 13, They spread rumors about me and conspire against me. This is like an experience of defamation. Someone who is intentionally seeking to harm you, to intimidate you, to denigrate you, to humiliate you, to manipulate you, to defame you, and on and on the listing of human experiences go. And here the Bible does not shy away from any of them. The Bible says you need to hear this. The Bible says you need to see this. King David says, This is a part of my worship life. I'm not hiding it. I am naming it. I'm not hiding it. I'm naming it. I'm not hiding it. I'm naming it. Naming it. Let me preach to you. You need to identify the prison you've been living in, and you need to name it because it's not your fault. Staying there is your fault. I don't have time to preach that, and I don't want to be ugly today. Um, I have seen uh, abuseful circumstances that uh, are in their own way haunting. There's one of the ladies of our church who uh, I don't have permission from her to tell this story, but I'll tell it so you don't know who she is. When she got on the church, um, she didn't know that much. And uh, her husband was a really, real, he was a real outlaw. Uh, He wasn't just, you know, a guy with a bandana and a Harley Davidson pretending to be tough, you know. He was a real outlaw. And I know because I knew him. I grew up around him and he was mean i mean he was tough he's the type of guy that uh anyway you get the idea i don't know of any crime that i didn't find out him being involved in he he was involved back before all, a lot of this stuff was cool he was the original uh, outlaw type and she was trying to get into church and she told me a story um over the years about how when she first got in church, she didn't know how to, what what a Christian was supposed to do. So she thought, okay, well, I started going to church and um, she I was just a little kid at the time, but um, I didn't, she didn't tell me then. It was later she told me, but she come to church and she thought, well, Christians, once you become a Christian, what you do is before you go to bed at night, you, you kind of kneel down and you pray at the bed. And she said, I didn't know how to pray. I, I, I just, I thought that's what you're supposed to do. And she said, so I, I got home, and got everything taken care of, uh, knelt down beside the bed to pray, and she said her, her husband was laying in the bed, and he just looked at her when she was kneeling down to pray. She said, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything to him. I just knelt down, thinking I'm trying to be a Christian now. And um, she, he looked at her, and then he he, he, he casually casually after watching her pray, uh, took his foot, and she's kneeling at the bed, and her eyes closed, and he kicked her right in the face. She's kneeling at the bed, he kicked her right in the face, knocked her hand over and back into the wall, her face is bloody. And why, why did he do that? He did that because she was praying. She was praying. You see, let me tell you a reality about being in an oppressive relationship. You can be in a certain kind of circumstance where you're not even trying to change them. But the fact that you're trying to be anything in God is a conviction to them. They're convicted not by who you wish they would be, but by who you are trying to be. And they would rather drag you down into the screaming, cussing, self-preservation mode yep. <laughs> than quietly watch you try to organize your soul and turn your eyes toward heaven. It reassures them when you cuss back at them. Right, I'm talking to some real world stuff. Right? I know I'm not yelling. I don't care. I'll do that next Sunday. Maybe if they can drag you down into the crab bucket they live in. Oh. You know how you keep a crab in a bucket? You put another one in there with it. And once you have two crabs in the bucket, neither of them's ever getting out. They just pull each other right back down. <laughs> it reassures them. Let me tell you, if, um, yeah, look, we have to be careful about who we do life with. I'm not talking about being kind to sinners. I'm not talking about having a word of encouragement to, to someone. I'm not even talking about having unsaved friends. There's a lot of unsaved or unchurched uh, people who are good people. And they respect your faith, and they respect that. They, they're not really trying like you are, per se. You know, they're still out, you know, dropping it like it's hot and all that. But they respect. I know I'm dating myself. That's from the 90s. I don't even care. I'm old. O-L-D. Deal with it, y'all. They're still out in club culture, but they respect what you're doing. You see what I'm saying? They, they can respect you. Um, and then there's some people who they cannot feel good about their, insert expletive here, um, their mess. Let me say it that way. They can't feel good unless they drag you through it. <laughs> And then you wonder why you never get any spiritual momentum going. It's like being in a prison. And here's the problem some of them are family members, and some of them are lifelong relationships. And you feel like, how am I ever going to get out? Don't let them make you the sinner they wish you were. By abusing you and attacking you. Let wisdom speak into your mind and speak into your spirit. There are some relationships that there's no win there anymore. There's nothing to fix anymore. There's just who they want to be and who you're trying to be. There's no Bible studies to teach anymore. Come on, if you if this doesn't make sense to you, just keep walking, it will. You just haven't suffered enough. But trust me, life's coming. There's no Bible studies to have anymore. There's no more songs to sing anymore. There's no more, let's come, let us reason together and dearly beloved, take a seat. Have a sweet something on Sunday. No, there's nothing to win. All there is is this. It's an oppressive relationship. And they're destroying who you could be in God. Um, Number three, stop minimizing or rationalizing the abuse you're going through. Ephesians 5 and 6, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse their sins, for the anger of God comes upon all those who disobey him. Number four, find a safe place. Um, Find some people who will help you. Quit trying to carry it all by yourself. Uh, One of the great missions of First Church is to be a safe place. People who believe in you and will pray with you. We can't make your decisions. We're not trying to. Uh, we're not. We can't. We're not in your circumstance. There's a bunch of stuff we can't do for you. But let me tell you something. We can do you. We can be the voice in your ear saying God's with you. You're not alone. We can be the text message you get that says I believe in you today. God is with you. Don't be afraid when the heathen rage. Oh, come on now, somebody. Yeah. I feel like I'm preaching handicapped. I can't yell at you this morning. Uh, A safe place helps Galatians 6 and 2 carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Number five, uh, don't try to confront the abuser by yourself. It's very, very difficult to confront the abuser by yourself. Um, Ecclesiastes 4 and 12, by yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you get a third person, the wise man asks? A three-stranded rope is an easily snap. That's the message translation. Um, Take no part. This is Galatians 5 and 11. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, rebuke and expose them. It's shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. When the light shines on them, it becomes clear how evil these things are. And when your light shines, it will expose their evil uh, deeds. Number six, begin the healing process. I could have done a whole message on this right here. Begin the healing process. Most people don't begin the healing process because they are quote, unquote, Waiting on the Lord. I want to take a moment here and explain uh, this to you. God's already taken His move, the next move is yours. God doesn't begin the healing process, or let me say it differently, he's already begun the healing process. The next step is yours. What God does is he ends. If you won't do what you could do, it's hard to blame God for not doing what he could do. Let me me read this. This is Job chapter number 11, verse number 13, TEV. Put your heart right. Where do we start? This is one of Job's friends, and not all of his friends said all bad things. This is very, very good advice. Job, put your heart right. Reach out to God. Put away any evil and wrong from your home. My God, just let that be a blessing out there. You you know who you are. You know what you need. (laughs) Put away, put away any uh, thing evil and wrong from your home, then face the world again, firm and courageous. All your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. Your life will be brighter than sunshine at noon, and life's darkest hours will shine like the dawn. Began the healing process. You say, where do I start? Well, let's take this advice right here. First of all, get your heart right and reach out to God. Get your heart right Right and reach out to God. If there's someone near you, tap them on the shoulder and say, "Get your heart right and reach out to God." If they're too far to tap, get your finger out, your grandma finger out, and point your grandma finger at them and say uh, to them, "Get your heart right and reach out to God." Get your heart right and reach out to God, Lord. Uh, we want to get our hearts right here today, and we're reaching out to you today. Oh God, the beginning of healing is your work has already been done, and now we're getting our heart right we're reaching out to you we're putting away the evil putting away the wrong we're facing the world again firm and courageous and lastly uh live in a a a world of grace choose a world of grace Uh, let god settle the scores in your life i'm not talking about covering up criminal acts uh, the magistrate has authority that is backed up by God. The legal system has authority that is backed up by God. God is not saying, I have the only judgment. He says, don't you take up judgment. He's not saying, you build a prison and lock them up. Don't, <laughs> don't get any ideas. I know some of you are like getting your pen out right now. Fox itself. Um, uh, don't, don't you take a gun and shoot them seven times. No, you you understand what I'm saying? Um, uh, If there is that kind of abuse going on, I want you to know there is no person, man, woman, boy, or girl... Who anywhere, I've spent my whole life studying the Word of God. I have, I have. I'm, I'm, I'm far from knowing everything. I don't consider myself any type of a scholar in any regard. But I have spent 30 years, uh, nearly every day, most definitely every week, uh, going through scriptures, trying to understand principles. My whole life, my whole life. Nowhere in the Bible is there some scriptural clarity where you have to put up with physical abuse from anyone for God. It's nowhere in there. And if anybody ever tries to put you in that knot, it's probably the person doing the abusing. And why would you listen to your abusers? So stop with the secrets. Name the abuse. Stop rationalizing it or minimizing it. Stop saying, oh, I can take it. It's nothing. Yeah, let me help you wipe the blood off your face and then hear you say it's nothing. Stop it. Find a safe place get help, get someone to support you when you confront uh, your abuser. Let the healing process begin by you taking action and then let God settle the score. Uh, Never repay one wrong for another, Peter writes in the NJB version. Never repay one wrong with another or one abusive word with another. Instead, repay with blessing. I love this. I love this scripture. Listen, repay with blessing. That is what you are called to do so that you and Inherit a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Uh, uh, in other words, uh, you don't rep- repay evil for evil. You repay blessing for evil, and that changes your inheritance because you belong to a different kingdom now. Yeah. And so, uh, I want to. I want to very quickly, and I'm almost done. Musicians, you can come. Um, I, I want to uh, say a few things here at closing, and I want to sum up the example of abuse um, simply by speaking to anyone uh, here that's living through this. There is a smart, wise way to approach the um, circumstances like this. And although we do not try to get involved in people's lives without without their request, uh, and we don't even push then, we always, always seek to have an appropriateness uh, to what we do, acknowledging that that what we primarily do as spiritual people is offer spiritual support and uh, strength to to people um, that said there's no reason for anyone to go through uh, uh, abuse um, and i want you to live with a sense of freedom you are not trapped in a circumstance you cannot fix it may not be a spouse. It might be a child. It, it might be another relationship in your life. There's no reason. Uh, believe it or not, there's actually, there's actually spiritual relationships that can be so toxic. I've seen people bully other people in the name of God. <laughs> I've seen pastors where you couldn't go to heaven unless you did what they said. I mean, come on. Uh, uh, that, that's not what we're going for here. That's not what we're going for here. You should know that because half of y'all don't listen to me anyway, and I still hug you on Sunday. I still love on you. Although some of you gets hard, and then I just love on your kids because I ain't got no more love for you. I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Um, abuse is an example of something else, um, and that is, that is this. Um, we could replace abuse with... Any other bondage of the flesh and the experiences, the biblical seven steps would be the same. So let's do that now. Uh, Pastor Lisa was talking about Celebrate Recovery. I'm so excited for what our church is doing here. I, I, I want to say this. I. I'm booked. I, I don't have time to do Celebrate Recovery. It has to come up through the heart of somebody with a passion for it. Let me tell you what I can do. I can empower. And Sister, Sister Lisa had this as a passion in her heart, and she brought it to the team. And you know what we did? We empowered her. Whatever she needs, that would be, I, 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 but I, you, you have to. I'm so excited about it. We could take abuse out, and we could put addiction in. Yeah. It would still feel like a prison. It would still have the same feelings of destruction of confidence. It would still be the challenge of keeping it a secret. Naming what you're going through. Stop explaining it away. Find a safe place to work on it. (laughs) Confront it, but don't do it by yourself. Begin the healing process. Let God produce justice in your life. The principles would be the same. We could change the abuse from uh, emotional abuse to physical abuse. to We could change it to spiritual abuse. The process would be the same. So here on this July 4th weekend where we celebrate our declaration of independence, I would like to invite everybody here today, anyone watching, wherever you are, I would like you to name the oppression in your life. And I would like you to stand with God's promises upon you. And I would like you to declare Declare spiritual independence in your life from that which has, has oppressed you. It's not the will of God that you live in a prison. He that the Son hath set free. He that the Son has set free is free in deed. Stand with me all across the house. Oh Lord Jesus, you know everyone who's facing dilemmas and struggles and wrestling of heart, mind, and spirit. You know where we are at, oh God. I am praying today that there would be an opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now, I I, I know we preach a lot about uh, addiction, say, Lord. I know as. As, as pastors and preachers which that's kind of something we celebrate a lot freedom from alcohol and drugs we don't talk near as much about something like abuse and Lord you know that's, that's why I tried to do that today but the point of it all is to show how your word and your promise enables us to leave the prisons of our past Lord Jesus I'm praying today for the person who has gotten a little bit too good at hiding what they're going through. They've gotten a little too comfortable with secrets in their life. And I'm praying today that something would happen. Everybody in this house, anyone watching online, I pray right now they would they would feel like they're not alone in that moment. They would feel like that you're with them. And I pray that they would recognize the promises given are not just of spiritual or uh, sentimental or historical literature or something long ago. It is your promise to them in the here and now. And they can find new hope, new joy in Jesus' name. (coughs) I'd like to invite everyone who will to step out. I'd like you to come down here to the front. We're not going to ask people after preaching a message like this to come stand alone. We're all going to come stand. And uh, (laughs) Pastor Anthony's going to end this service as the Spirit leads him to do it. But I want to right now, I'd like to invite those who will. We're an altar church. We're always going to have altars. Uh, I, we see too many lives change in the altar for us to get comfortable not having altars. Uh, in this altar is where we get vulnerable with God. So I'd like to invite all of you to come. Uh, if you want to represent some need in your life, if you know of someone and you want to come and stand and speak their name before the Lord, I want to invite you to do that right now. Uh, and we're not calling people who have been going through abuse to come forward. That's too personal. I'm asking everybody who will to come. down here to the front. We're going to thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you'll help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.